Amen. Thanks, Chris. Uh, good morning. My name is Brad. I'm a pastor here at River City Church. Uh, so this week, uh, we are obviously now starting off uh, the year 2020. And so uh, this is the closest thing to uh, the 2020 vision joke that you're going to get out of me is what we're going to do this morning. That, that As we start the year, um, man, I just want us a, as a church to start this year um, really on a, on a strong fit it footing of remembering who we are as a church. So I think um, for us, at least yearly, we need to return to try and remember uh, what our vision for our church is and just think about what God might have uh, coming up for us in this year as River City Church. Um, we are, uh, yeah, still a, a young church at River City that we uh, have only existed now for about a, a year and a half, uh, not even quite that uh, of services. Uh, we're a young church, and so uh, we have an advantage in that, that it's easier for us to remember what our vision and mission are. But just like any other church or any organization, we are at a constant ri uh, risk of kind of sliding away from what our original vision for this church was going to be. And I think that uh, the reason for that is, isn't really bad. It's just that we naturally, as humans, start to get comfortable, right? Um, and, and I think some of the ways that God, even just thinking back on 2019, ha has blessed us, if, if we're not careful, those ways that God has blessed us in 2019 can become uh, for us uh, inhibitors to moving forward uh, towards pressing into this vision that we think God has called us to as a church. Uh, just thinking back to last year around this time, uh, last year uh, we, we went through this camp having weekend services that we want to slowly start to become the church that God has called us to be. We want to figure out who we are and the role that each of us has in becoming the church that God has called River City to be. And so we talked about uh, committing to praying for our church, to praying for people in our community and thinking through uh, different people that we could pray for. Um, there's a piece of artwork hanging in the hallway out there. And if you were around for that period, remember that we, on that piece of art, we wrote uh, names of people that we were committing to pray for. And I hope you're still thinking of those five names that maybe you wrote on that canvas, people people that you committed to pray for, people that we still hope will come to meet Jesus in the coming years. And we had an artist uh, kind of cover over those names so that it would be there as a visual reminder for us when we come in and out of these space of people that we are praying for. And we ask you to think about uh, the way that you might give and the way that that might giving might uh, start to establish who we are as a church. And I, I'm excited for the way that God has provided for River City Church and has grown uh, our, our financial base, how we're moving towards sustainability. But we want to continue to think about what it means for us to uh, give of ourselves in different ways. I mean, and then lastly, we ask you to lean into the work that God was doing in your life, to think about the way that you were praying and reading your Bible, and just to think about the way that God might grow you in 2019. You know, in so many ways, we saw God answer so many of those prayers. And we ha have seen uh, just more people coming around on the weekends as you guys share um, what God is doing in your lives with other people. We've seen uh, the, just the, the size of our services grow, and that's, that's a good thing. We don't want to minimize that at all. We're, we're thankful for how God has grown our weekend services. We're thankful for the number of people that we have in, in groups who are leaning in in that way. And we're thankful for uh, the way that, that finances have grown. We're thankful for this uh, building that we have the ability to be in for the next three years because of generous partnerships uh, with other churches in the area, Remembrance in particular. We're really thankful for the things that God has done over the past year, but we are by no means done, and, and our vision is by no means even close to complete, right? 
And so as a church, we don't want the fact that we have a, a comfortable place to worship, although the air conditioning still needs work, so I'm not sure come spring if that'll still be true. Maybe that'll be good. Make you sweat a little, right? We'll press into this, see who's really in, okay? Like, I don't want the fact that we have a building or the fact that there's enough people around that it feels comfortable to sing and, like, uh, enough of you laugh when I make a joke that I'm like, okay, I feel good about myself. Like, I don't want those things to make us think that we've arrived, to make us think that we've completed uh, what God has called us to. And so I just want to, uh, right off the bat here, just read our vision for, to you, and then we're going to work through um, where we see some of these things in Scripture and just talk about what God, uh, we hope, is going to do in this next year. Now, here's our vision. And to spark a movement of gospel-centered churches, known for gospel-empowered discipleship in authentic community, for passionately pursuing those who don't know Jesus, and unnatural generosity multiplying throughout West Michigan and beyond. You know, in the next year, we've got a lot planned. Um, we're going to keep doing weekend services every single weekend. It's fun uh, now that the Christmas season and New Year's are kind of over. We start to come back, and it's like, okay, you people still exist. Uh, you didn't all die over Christmas break. Like, I'm excited. We'll see all our college kids uh, hopefully come back over the next few weeks. Uh, exciting to see um, how God is continuing to, to build this group. So we'll keep doing weekend services. Um, this week's kind of a standalone. Uh, we're going to sing new songs this year. We're going to go through uh, two different books of the Bible in this year. We're going to start the book of Ruth next week, and we'll be in that for just uh, four weeks, God willing. And then we're going to start the Gospel of Mark which is going to be exciting to work through a, a long format, seeing the teachings and the life of Jesus and just learning more about those things, really going through it uh, progressively, not ultra slow, like it won't be like three years, but the majority of next year will be in the gospel of Mark, uh, seeing the life of Jesus and taking it piece by piece as that gospel records. Uh, we got lots planned. We hope to do like prayer nights together. We hope to have uh, baptisms in this year. Uh, for those of you that went through our first membership conference, we've got uh, membership interviews starting to get scheduled. People are filling out those membership applications. If you hadn't done that yet, uh, this is a subtle hint. You could still fill that out. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to have another membership conference sometime in the spring. For those of you that weren't able to make the first one, we'll be able to install people as members. Uh, we hope to have another uh, baby dedication cycle in uh, the late spring here. Lots of exciting stuff going on. But ultimately, what I really hope for this next year is that we would lean into these pieces of our vision that are on the screen up here. Uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll open the Bible. God, we will never become the church that you want us to be unless you move and act. God, we'll never have the right people here. Our lives will never change. We'll never have enough money. People will not meet Jesus unless you, the sovereign God of the universe, do something. And so, God, even, even as we read this statement, this statement that, honestly, Lord, I think that, that the formation of it, the people that were able to speak into it, the way that it has informed what we do as a church, God, I think those things are, are from you. God, I, I pray that you would enact these things. God, if you want us to shift and change directions in some areas, God, as our strategy moves, as we're in different places, as you um, give and take away, Lord, I pray, God, that you would act and that, God, we would remember uh, that Psalm, Psalm 127, uh, God, that says that unless you build the house, that we all labor in vain. And yet, God, because you are the one building this thing, because you are the one building your church, we get to lay down and rest well at night. 
And so God, as we think about this church you want us to be, as we think about sparking a movement of gospel-centered churches, as we think about, God, our lives being transformed by the gospel in authentic community, God, as we think about pursuing those who don't know you yet, God, as we think about being generous people and then praying, God, that this thing would multiply, God, we ask you to be in it and that you would make the work of our hands permanent. God, that you would act so that we don't labor in vain. And that because of our trust in you, that we would sleep well at night, knowing that you've got this as you do all things. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, so first question is, why, why in this mission statement do we say we want a spark of movement of gospel-centered churches? I want you to flip, if you've got a Bible, to uh, Matthew chapter 16, or you can follow along on the screen. We'll be in just a few different passages today, uh, but this is where we will start. Uh, Matthew 16, starting at verse... 13. It says, now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea in Philippi, he, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one, that he was the Christ. The foundation of this organism that we call the church, the foundation of who we are as a body, the thing that God sets up the church to exist on, it's not on Peter himself as a man, but it's on the faith and the statement that Peter makes here, that Peter makes this confession. He says, you are the Christ. You are the promised Messiah. You are the one who God said would come, who would write everything between God and man. Jesus' response here to Peter is really important, where he says, uh, he's excited by Peter, he's he says, he says, blessed are you, Peter, because this thing that you just said, this thing that you just revealed, you didn't figure this out on your own. God gave you this truth. God revealed to Peter in this moment who Jesus actually was. This is such a profound moment in the life of Peter and what's happening between Jesus and his disciples that Jesus like really quickly renames Peter, right? He gives him a new name. He says, you're not going to be known as who you were anymore. On this moment, we're going to shift everything that we think about, and we're going to rename you Peter. And out of this statement, out of who you are, this, the start of this new thing is going to form. The foundation of this church on the fact that Jesus was the one who would come, the Messiah who would build his church, and that because it was founded on the true truth of who Jesus was, that nothing would ever stop it from fulfilling the mission that God had called it to. It is amazing that the church even still exists, right? Like, it doesn't take, like, two seconds of Googling about the history of Christianity to realize how jacked up and how long ago this thing should have shut down, right, if it was about what man accomplished. 
It doesn't take very long at all to get really discouraged with the way that people have messed up this thing that Jesus called us to be, how they've run in every other direction, how they've made it about individual people, how they've uh, made it about movements that were things other than the truth of the gospel found here in Scripture. It doesn't take very long to get a little bit disenfranchised, to get a little bit distracted, and to think, how does this thing even exist anymore? The fact of the matter is the church exists because Jesus promised that it would remain the means by which God had chosen to spread the truth of the fact that he was the Messiah. In this moment, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, don't, don't tell anyone who I am yet. Now, now that, that uh, command isn't going to stick for very long, right? In just a minute, we're going to flip to uh, this famous passage called the Great Commission, where Jesus is going to say, okay, what you know about me now, uh, this Jesus who comes, he then is killed on a cross, he rises from the dead, and this is just before he ascends into heaven. He's going to say, I told you before not to tell anyone who I was, now your entire lives are committed to telling people who I was. Because Jesus was waiting for this time to come where he would begin to build this new thing, this church. So why do we say we want to spark a movement of gospel-centered churches? Well, because we think this is what God has called us to. We think God has called us as Christians to be a part of an organization that is constantly growing and is expanding. Not that our influence and our power might expand, but that the knowledge of the glory of God might be spread everywhere that Christians go. That to be a Christian is to be one who is fighting for the mission of God in the world. To be a believer, a follower of Jesus, is to be one who is trying to proclaim the goodness of who God is. Who is trying to see churches, groups of people who come together and rally around the truth of the gospel. We talk about the gospel all the time here at River City Church. This truth that we were separate from God because of our sin. All the ways that we failed to reflect the character of God and what we did and what we thought and what we failed to do. That we were separate from God because of our sin. Both the things that we forgot to do, those sins of omission, and those things that we did, those sins of commission. That we were separate from God eternally. That we needed a complete replacement of our morality, of our heart, of the core of who we were. And so Jesus came to die and make payment for our sin and rise from the dead that he might offer us new life, beating out our enemy in death and promising us security in our unity that we now find in Christ. And we proclaim that that Jesus now sits in heaven and he advocates for us and he prays for us and he is working out his mission here on earth. And that one day he's going to come back. And he's going to take heaven, he's going to bring heaven down to earth, and he's going to make all things right the way that they were supposed to be. Our entire lives as believers, our entire existence as a church is is not about throwing weekend services the good news of gospel, that we might see other groups, congregations, churches of gospel-proclaiming believers that are scattered around our state and our country and our entire world. Jesus didn't call us to just form a a weekend service or a bunch of small groups. Jesus called us to be a church that sparks a movement of gospel-centered churches. This is what he's called the entire 
church do? Now, now this starts for us kind of on our, our street corner and on our block. And like I said, I'm going I'm to read the Great Commission to you here. These slides are going to be out of order, by the way. I shouldn't have done this. I'm just realizing it now. I'm going to read you the Great Commission, and then, then I want to show you something. So, so listen to this, and just think about the mission that God's called us to. Matthew uh, 28, starting at 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. So this is after Jesus has died and, and risen from the dead, and they're with Jesus now. It says 17, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of his Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus has set us on this mission. That's why he phrases it in this way. He says, uh, it says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means you can't argue, okay? So when I tell you this is what the church is about, when I say the church is about preaching the gospel, the church is about making disciples, the church is about seeing people come to know Jesus, be baptized, and learn to walk in the way of Jesus, you can't go, oh, I'm not sure what the, that's what the church is about, because Jesus said so, and he's better than you, okay? Got it? He gets to tell you what to do, and this is how he defines this thing. He says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, and so what you need to do is you need to go out and you need to make disciples. Now, we know that this also fits within what we read before, that Jesus was going to build the church, that he was going to build gatherings of people who would work together, who would be on mission together. And so for us, our primary area of mission is the greater Grand Rapids area. And so when we think about the greater Grand Rapids area, we think about now over one million people in our region that we are on mission to say, we want our goal to be that every single man, woman, and child in this region has an opportunity to hear people opportunities to hear the gospel, that our goal is to be people who passionately pursue those who don't know Jesus, that we are in the lives of non-believers, that you are making friendships with people that don't know Jesus, that when you drop your kids off at school, you're thinking about the people around you. When you go to work, you're thinking about your coworkers, probably the ones that bother you the most, Right? You're thinking, God is uniquely doing something here in my relationship with this person. You think about your clients. You think about the people that you go to school with. You think about your neighbors that live in your neighborhood with you, your family who you're around constantly. Maybe it's your spouse or your children. People around you who haven't yet met Jesus, and we phrase that for, for a really specific reason. People who don't know Jesus yet. We want to passionately pursue people that don't yet know Jesus because we hope that they do come to meet Jesus. So how do we do this when it's a million people? Well, one, we're not the only church in Grand Rapids, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful for that. We, we exist in, in, in a city that has many other people that also confess Jesus as Lord who are on the same mission as we are. So we partner together that we would share the gospel in this area. But I think God has also done something cool. And, and when I thought about what kind of church we would plant, um, this isn't exactly how I thought this would play out, um, but this is how it played out. This is a map of where everyone uh, that we know uh, their current address for River City Church lives, Okay. Uh, the blue ones are people that I think are doing well. The red ones, eh, not so much, right? <laughs> I, I don't actually know why the system even made some blue and some red, so I actually ignore that. It was just completely random. I think I might be blue. Uh, I'm not sure which color I am. Nope, we're red. Huh. We're not doing very well. Okay. 
I mean, look how, and, on, and some of you are like, I'm not even on there. Because if I zoomed out too far, like it just made it one blob. So I had to zoom in a little bit. And, and the fact that you're not on there is also cool. Because when I think about the way that God has, that came out wrong. <laughs> when I think about the way that God ha, ha, has scattered us around the area, now, do I want us to like be in neighborhoods and invest where we are? Do I think it's cool like the more that like we're in the city together? Yeah, awesome. But I think it's cool that God has placed us all around this region. Which means that each and every one of us, we rub against everyday different people. We see them, we, we come across them, we check out with different cashiers in our checkout lines or robots, depending on how things are going, where you live. Like we work with different people, our families are different areas. We just live in different places. And so God has placed us around this region. He has placed you around different people. And so on one hand, that's exciting because that means that God is giving us a footing from which to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Uh, on the other hand, maybe that should scare you a little because that means in some sense, God has placed you in a region that you might reach the people there for the gospel. Like if you look at this, you're like, man, my dot's not that close to anyone else's dot. That means that, that you are, are a missionary from River City Church to wherever God has placed you. And I'm thankful that we come together. I'm, I'm thankful for our city groups because we want to rally together. We want to encourage people in the way that God is calling us. But if you're on here and you're an outlier or you're on there and you only have a few pins around you or you're not even on the map, praise God. Because God has placed us around this region with unique groups of people around you, with people who don't know Jesus, who are a gift to you. Because those are the people that God has called you and given you to pursue for the sake of the gospel. This year at River City Church, I want our church to multiply. I want our church to multiply. I want us to grow, but I want us to grow as we pursue people who don't know Jesus, who we see God miraculously save. Like when, when I stand here, uh, God willing, or somebody else, a year from now, I want to look out and I, I want to see people that, that weren't here a year ago. And, and yeah, I think some of those are going to be people who are Christians already, who can, who can rally around our mission with us. And I don't want to discourage you from like inviting people who either aren't connected to the church or um, you just think would fit in well here, who are looking for a place to grow. That's all awesome. But the way I hope I really see this place grow and change is I play that we were overflowing with messy people who didn't know Jesus a year ago at this time. And that is only going to happen if you take hold of the place that God has placed you. If you embrace this piece of our vision, these three steps that we hope people step into, that you would passionately pursue those who don't know Jesus. So God calls us to be missionaries in this way. He calls us to step out of our homes, our comfort, our normal, with this express purpose of coming into contact with unbelievers. That phrase is important. You have to step out of your home, your comfort, your normalcy, with the express purpose of coming into contact with non-believers. Now, we don't even have that many programs here at River City Church, and that, that, that's intentional. Like, we do weekend services, we do city groups, and we do some rotational things throughout the year to train and equip you. And we want to do that stuff. I want us to lean even more into some of the leadership development stuff that we're doing this year. But, but I never want us to be a church where we make it overly easy for you to avoid coming into contact with people that don't know Jesus. 
Because you're like, yeah, I go to church on Sunday, and then I go to small group on Monday, and then I go to my Bible study on Wednesday, and then on Thursday night we come to church for uh, Awana or Cadets or uh, whatever kids party night there is. And then like, well, Friday I'm supposed to go on a date with my wife, and Saturday I'm just really tired. And then Sunday we're at church again. If we fill your lives with church events, if we fill your lives with opportunities to ignore and to step out of and to make it easy to forget our purpose to pursue the lost, you'll do it. Because you, me, every single one of us, we crave comfort. But in this year, I want us to create space in our lives that we would take that risk of stepping outside of what's normal and comfortable to spend time with, to befriend, to love those who don't know Jesus. Uh, next, I want in this year for us to provide opportunities for you to step into gospel-empowered discipleship and authentic community. Uh, look at these uh, few phrases in the verse that we just looked at a minute ago. Um, we're called to make disciples. And then what does make disciples look like? It looks like teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, now, when we look at the Great Commission, we get really focused on a few words. Uh, we get focused on make disciples. We get focused on the word go. And then we often get focused on the word baptize, right? We think, about, okay, we're supposed to go out. We're supposed to make disciples. And, and then we baptize them. But I think what we lose in this is that in the Great Commission, in this command from Jesus of what it's supposed to look like for the church to grow and thrive, he has discipleship and growth built right into it. That as we step out, as we go to proclaim the gospel to our neighborhoods, to our family, to our workplaces, to our schools, as we do that, as we preach the good news of the gospel and we see disciples made, then we walk alongside each other and teach each other to walk in, to observe, to live like Jesus lived. Jesus came to provide a way for us to be with God again, to reconcile our sin between God and man. And he also came to show us what it looked like to live a life that was completely dependent on the Holy Spirit and therefore completely within the joy, will of the law of God. And so we walk like Jesus walked, and we're, we're going to fail at this, and we're going to constantly feel somewhat discouraged in this, but ultimately our goal is that our walk, our lives, our practices, our rhythms would be conformed to observe what Jesus did when he was here. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to work through the book of Mark, is just to see a, a large portion of what Jesus said and did. What it looks like to walk like Jesus did. What it looks like to speak like he did. What it looks like to start to love like he did. That we might lean into this work that the Holy Spirit is doing in you. If you are a believer to transform you. To look more and more like Jesus. We're called as a church to do something specific. We're called to call each other. To point each other. To teach each other what it looks like to walk in the way that Jesus walked. Our transformation comes in this to give us this helper in this person of God, uh, this member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who indwells you as a believer and who is working out the sanctification that God has planned for your life, transforming you day after day to be more like Jesus. That's one of the two helps that he has given you to transform. But the second help he's given you is this church. He has given you this body, has placed you in this place that you might lean in and see your life change. Um, so over like blow up pool thing for our kids, right? 
So um, this isn't like, so it's like somewhat of a hybrid of like that cheap like $2 pool that you couldn't have any fun in and then like the redneck uh, backyard uh, above ground pool, right? Okay, so it's like, okay, we put this up, we'll be redneck for a season, then we'll tear it down, right? It's going to be awesome, okay? So like the top ring of it blows up and this thing uh, at the base of it is like 18 feet across. And so we were waiting for it to come and trying to figure out like how are we going to hide this from the kids? And I'm driving by the house uh, on an errand one day halfway through the day and I drive by my house and I just see this tower in the middle of my driveway because I think the UPS guy was like, forget this guy, right? And he just like kicked it off of his truck. And the minute I saw it, I was like, and I noticed as I got up to the box later in the day that it had these giant uh, stickers on it. It's a team lift, Right? a team lift and I thought probably not <laughs> like I'm gonna go for it right and so I like walked to the box like corner to corner in my house and, like flipped it up the stairs and like slid it across the carpet I got to the end I thought I'm about to die right I could have used a team but Christianity is something that we are commanded to do together the, the, the Bible knows no form of following Jesus that is outside of being around other believers the Bible knows no form of being transformed to be more like Christ in the Spirit that doesn't happen in a community of gospel-centered people who are pursuing the walk of Jesus, the holiness of God displayed in this man. This is a team activity. Now, my hope is that in this year you would find ways to step into community with other people. Maybe that's a city group for you that you're not involved in a city group right now. Maybe you are in a city group, but it's really stepping into some form of a more, more rhythmic discipleship with a leader from your group, uh, spending time with them to think, what does it look like for the gospel to really relate to my life? Maybe that's just like a monthly breakfast with somebody or coffee on occasion with another person in this church who loves you well and wants you to point, point you to Jesus and you point them back to Jesus in this awesome relationship where, uh, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron and we're refined to be more and more like Christ. Christianity, following Jesus, it's a team lift thing. And so our, our hope is not only that we pursue those who don't know Jesus, but that in our church, through the power of the gospel, through the work that Christ has already done to secure who we are, through the gift of the Holy Spirit that comes from our relationship with God, that we would see discipleship happen. That we would see ourselves transformed to be more like Jesus within the context of authentic community where we share our lives, we share our sin, we share what's going well and what's going really poorly. I just encourage you this year, step, step into community in some way. Uh, last phrase in our thing is that we want generosity, we want unnatural generosity to abound in our church. So I flip to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we have verses 6 through 8. Uh, Paul says this, says, uh, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. We want our generosity in this next year to be abounding. 
The New Year's a natural time to think about like your, your priorities, to think about uh, the way that your, your life is going. And I just encourage you to think about uh, what's it going to look like for your generosity to look more and more unnatural in your life. Now, now, why do we use that phrase unnatural? Because we want a lot of parts of our lives as believers to be unnatural. Because we are still in this tension of our old nature, of our sin nature, of this part of us that wants to worship ourselves, wants to be selfish, doesn't want to give, but wants to take. We want to press against those parts of our nature. And generosity, giving, is one of the hardest places to do that, but it's also one of the places that has the giving that you think about when I talk about giving. Like, only part of this is the financial piece. Like, the financial piece is important, and I am extremely excited about the way that God is working in this way. Um, just one thing. So this is the last week uh, for you guys to drop off your stuff for this ICCF giving tree that's in the back. It's just been so cool to see these pile up in the envelope that's in the back. Right? You guys ha- have taken so many more of those little envelopes than I ever thought. And, and yes, like the rewire a house ones are still on there. And I don't know if you know this, but like we're not a church with a whole lot of high rollers in it. So I'm not like shocked that nobody was like, I'll provide nine new roofs. If you're here and that's you, step up, man. But like, uh, like I think it's really cool the way that we've just chipped away at those things. That we've just taken these and, and we've been able to be generous in the way that God has called us. I, I love the way this verse is phrased, that, that even the way that the Paul calls the Corinthians, he says, look, God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, I, I don't want you to give and step out in, in ways that you can give joyfully. And, and it's just been a, a joy to me to see how you guys have been generous through that season in that way, which kind of goes outside um, of our body here. And also it's been a joy to see the way that God is providing for River City Church um, as a church plant. Um, we're not there yet in terms of uh, having like all of our needs financially met just from within our body, but we're growing ever closer. And I just have nothing to say but but thank you for how God is working through you and growing you to be like Christ in the way that you're generous. And and so I want God to continue to work this uh, in our hearts. I want for me, God, to continue to work the way I think about money because I I don't know about you, but money really is for me a, a, a root of where my heart is as a whole. Um, and it's something that can take hold of me personally with what I have and what I possess. But, but outside of that, I, I want us to be more and more pressing into generosity just in, in our lives as a whole. Like, what does it look like for you to, to give some more of your time this year uh, to really think about those who don't know Jesus? Um, if you're not yet like serving here in some capacity, what would it look like for you to take one or two weekends out of the month where you don't just come and attend, but you step in and serve in some way, shape, or form? What does it look like for you to serve in ministries, uh, parachurch ministries around our city who are trying to reach the lost, to care for the broken, uh, for you to find specific burdens in your life where you can do uh, relief and compassion stuff right here in the context that God has placed you? I want us to grow in our generosity, not just in money, but in our time and in serving. And, And then lastly, in that thing that we always talk about of emotional capacity. We want to see our generosity play out in the way that we love and treat each other here in and outside of our body. That, that when things are going well for you, you have a unique opportunity to take on the burden of someone else. And I, I want this to be the kind of church where when we ask each other how's it going, that we give real answers. And when somebody says it's going poorly, that we step up with real ways to help. And we don't just say like, hey, let me know, please don't. <laughs> like, Right? You ever say, you're like, oh, I, just, I really hope they don't text me back after I say, let me know anything I can do. 
Like, I want us to be the kind of church that, man, when somebody's going through a hard time, offers help and almost demands that it's taken. And I want us to be the kind of people that allow other people to be generous to us. That, that when someone wants to care for us in some way, and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching myself like I'm bad at this. Like I just want to go, no, I'm fine, right? I'm fine. You don't need to do that for me. So I want to show off how self-sufficient I am, and I want that to be a way that my pride shines through. Is like, man, he's just got it all together, and so I don't want to accept help in this area or admit that something's tearing me up and hard. It wants to be a church that offers and accepts help as well, that, that is generous in what we have to, give, have to give emotionally and cares for each other well. And ultimately our goal is that these things, uh, this uh, gospel-empowered discipleship and authentic community, this pursuing of the lost, this unnatural generosity, our goal is that these things start to multiply. So that as you love each other in this way, as we see people meet Jesus, as we pursue them for the sake of the gospel, as we lean in to community, that naturally these things would duplicate and replicate as healthy things do. That you would want to invite people into these parts of your lives. That you would want people to experience the same community that you're experiencing. That if Jesus has changed your life, if he has redeemed you and paid for your sin, that you would desperately want other people to hear that truth. That if God has been generous to you, if others have cared for you, that you would want to be a person who's giving and loving and generous. And that we would see these things multiply and therefore we would see the work of God grow. And that, that would start right here in West Michigan where God has placed us. And then that, that would reverberate out of this place to Michigan and to our country and to the whole world. We want this thing to multiply because that's what healthy things do. Ultimately we want to multiply because we think this is how God will be glorified in our lives. As we show the generosity he showed. As we pursue those with the gospel and as we're transformed to be more like Christ. Um, and so as much as I hate pithy little repeatable things, um, we're going to do one anyway, okay? All right, here it is. Next slide so they can laugh. Isn't that quaint? Like for us to step into community in different ways. What does it look like for you to figure out, like, what way are you engaging with River City Church right now? Maybe you're coming around the weekends. That's awesome. What does it look like for you to step into a city? It don't work for anyone. And so uh, let me just say this. Like, if you can't be in a city group in this season or it doesn't work out for your schedule, you're not a second-class citizen, but I still you are commanded by Jesus to, like, be in community. And so you should be around other people in some way. In a significant way, you should have other people speaking into your lives. You should be sharing your lives with them. City groups are just how we try and make it happen here. So I want you to step into that. And if you're already in a group like that, if you're already in community in some way, what does it look like for you to step more and more into some sort of discipleship-oriented uh, relationship? We're going to offer um, some things to help with that in, in the coming season. I can't talk a lot about them right now, but, but that's to come. Uh, second, what does it look like for you to step up in the way that you're generous? Uh, what does it look like to step up and, and to give or to serve in a way that you're not giving or serving right now? What does it look like for you to step up and care for the people around you in a way that you're not currently doing it? Believing that, as Second Corinthians said, that, that when we sow generously, we reap generously the reward. And lastly, like, what does it look like for you to step out of your comfort and your community here to pursue those that don't know Jesus? What does it look like to, to, as you've embraced the things that God is doing in your life, as you've stepped into generosity, to step out of comfort to step out of normalcy and to get in relationship with people that don't know Christ and to love them well. 
Ultimately, this is how we will see this vision accomplished, that the way that God has planned for the vision of River City Church to become a reality is not through me. It's not through any of our elder candidates or our other leaders. It's not through our city group leaders or our kids workers, people who make coffee on Sunday or hospitality team members or tech team members, people mowing the lawn. That's not how God has provided for his mission to be accomplished. The way that God has provided for us to accomplish our vision is in each and every single one of us stepping into our role in this body to see it become a reality. And, and yes, you can be here and just write it out, okay? You can, you can come on the weekend and you can consume. We're never going to be like, get out of here, you non-contributor. You might think it. You might be a green dot on the map, but we're not going to say it, okay? But honestly, I think that the way that God has intended for the church to bless you the most fully is for you to really be a part of what, what it's doing. And I think that God, in, in his sovereignty, the way that he has planned for others to meet Jesus, it is through this body and your part in it. So I just encourage you in this year, how can you step into community? How can you step up and give and serve? And how can you step out so that others might hear the truth of the gospel? Let's pray together because like we said at the beginning, we can't do any of this unless Jesus does it. God, God, I pray that we wouldn't be discouraged and think that now uh, what we need is just try harder when we feel like we've tried and failed so many times. God, I pray that um, the way that we've looked at your word and read it today wouldn't make us think that it's all on us. But God, I pray that as we see that you are doing these things. God, that in this year you have saved people. God, you have, you have brought new people into the family of God in 2019. And God, you will save people in 2020. You will provide for this church in 2020. You will change our lives in this next year. God, I pray that, that as we think about the fact that these are things that you have promised to do and you will do, that would encourage us just to want to be a part of it. That, God, we would want to step in to what you're doing. We would want to see this work play out in our lives. And, God, that we would see our church spark a movement of gospel-centered churches. God, that the River City churches that exist today would lead to other congregations and other places through partnerships and through our own efforts where people who don't know you hear of you and start to worship you. God, where people's lives are transformed as they lean into the work of the Spirit with other believers loving and helping them. God, where we pursue people for the sake of the gospel, that we would show them your love and where we are a generous people that fight against our own nature. God, help us in these things to worship you in them. God, that others might know and see your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.